Samaritan Sermon Series, and for those of you that haven't been here, just to let you know what we've been talking about, we've been talking about the names of Jesus, and thus far we talked about Emmanuel, which is God with us, and we talked about the name Jesus, which means Savior, and we talked about Christ. All of those names actually surround the Christmas readings. You hear all of those names referred to in the Christmas readings. For example, uh, Jesus, uh, a Savior. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the reference to Messiah, the Anointed One, the Promised One, who will save the people from their sins. You see this in Matthew 1. You see this in Luke 2. You also see the name Emmanuel, God with us. And you also see all these references in the Old Testament as well, the prophecies. Well, you see that same complementary idea in today's two readings. But I didn't have the Christmas reading yet again so that you would grow tired of it. But I had another reference to it about this whole idea of Jesus coming to be the Prince of Peace. Because that's also promised at his birth. You saw in the reading from Isaiah about this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and the government will be on his shoulders. That's a reference to this Messiah who is coming, this Christ. And one of the phrases that's used is prince of peace. And then if you jump to the Christmas story, you see the angel singing, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And, you know, one of the other songs or hymns, or famous pieces of music that we have around this whole idea of Prince of Peace is Handel's Messiah. You know, that wonderful, wonderful chorus that is sung over and over again in Handel's Messiah. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Just a wonderful piece of music. But it's interesting because as magnificent as that piece of music is, and you hear choruses and choirs sing it all over, You know, a lot of people don't even believe it, the ones that are singing it. They sing it with zeal, and yet they might not believe it. And a lot of people, even in the church, really don't even understand this whole notion and idea of peace and prince of peace. They have a sense of Jesus as being Savior. Because it's really clear in the passage, He will save you from your sin. And Messiah, anointed one, the promised one, the Christ a sense of that fulfilling of the promise of God's promise to save us, the anointed one. And Emmanuel, we have that sense, especially because of the promise of the Holy Spirit, of God with us, and Jesus being God in the flesh, walking with us. But I don't think a whole lot of people really understand this sense of peace that he brings, because we have all these different notions and ideas of what that peace is supposed to be like. Is it about the peace that you hear so often in the world? Probably not. The peace that most people think about in the world? Probably not. In fact, when the angel sang, Peace on earth, goodwill towards men at Jesus' birth, what was going on almost immediately and simultaneously with that? The wise men were supposed to go back to Herod. You know, when they heard that this Messiah was being born because of the wise men, what was going on in Jerusalem? Was there peace? Were were everybody celebrating? No, 
Jerusalem, we are told, was in an uproar. Herod and everybody with him. So there wasn't a whole lot of peace going on. And then after the wise men left, and they didn't go back to Herod, what did Herod do? He had the infant boys around Bethlehem slaughtered. So when this peace on earth comes, what is going on with that picture? Because it's not the kind of peace with Jesus, the Messiah, coming that we would think should happen. But see, you already see the dividing line. What Jesus is talking about, about the kind of peace that he brings. Now put that on hold for a minute. Because when Paul writes, he talks about the gospel of peace. He begins most of his letters to the churches, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's going on in most of the churches that he's writing to? Conflict. So unlike the church. So unlike our lives. And yet he writes grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. What is grace? Grace is a free gift from God. Grace is a word that encapsulates the gospel. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of your own doing, a gift of God. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's Jesus who died on the cross to save you. That's the grace. And it's offered as a free gift. That's Jesus coming to be our Savior, our anointed one. And peace. The peace that results once we understand this grace received. The peace that takes over our lives. The peace that's the fruit of the Spirit. Listed in Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness. The peace, as Paul describes it in Philippians 4, 7, that passes understanding. See, that's really the key. See, because if you think you can manufacture this peace that Jesus is talking about, you're missing it. Because you can't. You cannot make this peace happen. Which is why Jesus over and over again qualifies the peace. Why scripture qualifies the peace. Because so many people misunderstand what the peace is about. How the peace comes. So let's talk about first and foremost this worldly peace that's mentioned in scripture. Now, when most people hear the word peace in our culture, if they were to read it in a magazine, if they were to read it in a newspaper, if they were to hear it in the news, what would they typically think of if they heard the word peace? War is over. Absence of war, right? That's what they think of. No more conflict. Is everybody happy then? No. We forget. We usually win. When we are in a war, right? So we're usually happy. Because we're out of the war, the war's over, our troops come home, everybody's happy. Sort of. But the reality is, a war 
even when it's over, is never a happy situation for everyone. A peace treaty is never a happy situation for everyone, even though it's called a peace treaty. There are often pieces to pick up. There are oppressed people. There are enslaved people. There are people who have wounds that go on forever. We forget that even though war ends, there are winners and there are losers. Even though conflict ends, there are always unhappy people. It's not a happy peace most times. Divorce ends conflict. Does it end the pain and the conflict really? Not usually. You know, all the mudslinging before the election, did that then bring peace after the election happened? I don't think so. What about after Las Vegas and Florida, after the shooting stopped, is there peace? No. See, after the shooting stops, after the war of words is over, it doesn't mean that there's peace all the time. And yet that's what people think of. Finally, there's peace. No, that's not exactly the case. There's often ramifications. There's often uneasiness. There's often pain. There's often ongoing conflict. It may not be on the surface. It may not be a violence that has broken out, but there is often not peace. If you're honest and realistic. A truce might be a more accurate word. Because we're not killing each other. So that's not the kind of peace that we're talking about here. And it's not peace with the world. It's important to understand that. John 1 starts it off right away. When it talks about Jesus coming into the world... The world that he had made, as John says, but the world did not know him and did not believe in him. Even though God so loved the world that he gave his only son, it doesn't mean that everybody in the world believes in him. This Jesus who came into the world to offer love, to offer healing, to try to bless people, to try to bring the good news, and the world did not receive him. Oftentimes there is no peace with the world. Because the world, oftentimes, when it is in, 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 has an encounter with the values of Christians, doesn't necessarily want the values. When it hears the name Jesus, doesn't necessarily want to hear the name Jesus. So it's not often peace with the world. Jesus would say, the world is going to hate you because it hated me first. A 
Why is it that we're not realistic about that? Because we think that when we have, quote unquote, the gospel of peace, when we love, that the world should certainly embrace us. But it didn't embrace Jesus. Jesus who lived a perfect life. A perfectly loving life. And that's why Jesus said, this world will pass away. My words will not pass away. Because it's the gospel of peace that endures. But this world is broken. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why the world needed a Savior. And the peace that he brings, this world cannot comprehend, which he says in the upper room, in the gospel reading from John. Because it doesn't have the Holy Spirit. The only way that you can understand the kind of peace that Jesus brings, the gospel of peace, is if you have the Holy Spirit. When Jesus breaks into your heart as Savior and Lord, that's when you begin to get your mind around this peace. And we see that played out in 2 Corinthians 5. Where Paul says, because of Jesus, you have become a new creation. You're different. Because in and of yourself, you don't have this peace. You can't manufacture this peace. You can't make it happen. And this peace that you learn grows on you. It's really interesting this morning when I came in. And I started speaking at the 8 o'clock service. I could tell the sound system wasn't on. The person who was scheduled to do the sound system didn't make it this morning. And I understand that. That happens sometimes. Maybe it was the time change. We might see people show up at 11 o'clock this morning. But anyway... I just waited until I was done speaking and the lay reader was about to begin speaking. Kathy was about to read the gospel and I slipped up and I turned the sound system on and I adjusted it and everything. Everything was hunky-dory. Twenty years ago, I would have been seething. Thank God I've grown a little bit. That was really helpful to see. That we can change. That we can become people who reside more in his peace. That we can become that new creation slowly. That's what it's about. That first, through Christ, we're reconciled to God. That's the whole purpose. That we are broken sinners who cannot save themselves. We need that grace, that forgiveness to wash over us. And when we have that peace, as we are described, we are not only forgiven, we can forgive others. We can bear with others. We can bear with the challenges of the world. That's what we're called to do. We can become ambassadors for peace. Ministers of reconciliation is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. Because we bring this gospel, we bear this gospel, we live this gospel. 
And we can't manufacture that ourselves. We can't will that because it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's when we humble ourselves and empty ourselves that we can begin to produce this fruit. James talks about it in his letter. Romans talks about it. Philippians talks about it. Paul has a great passage about how he's learned to be content in plenty and in want. He learned it. And I love this passage in Romans chapter 12. Let me read this to you. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse them. Now notice that it doesn't say bless them out. Okay? It says bless them. That's not easy to do. When you pray for those who are giving you a hard time, when you're willing to engage them, you're even willing to love them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We bear with one another. We stand with one another. We encourage with one another because we have his peace. We can come alongside others. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. See, the pride has got to go. We've got to empty ourselves so we can know this peace. But associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And it doesn't always depend on you, and therefore you can't always live peaceably with all. But as much as it depends on you. See, and when you love people, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I love towards the end of this paragraph. um, If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on their heads. See, I love that. You want to get people back? Love them. That drives them crazy. But you can only do that if you live with peace. That's the key. That's the key. The peace that passes understanding. When trouble comes, when pain comes, when stress comes. That we can't do ourselves and we can't manufacture ourselves. It only comes through Christ. If you were to go out into the world, this might be fun, actually. I mean, the parade's going to happen later. You might want to do this. You know, just walk along the parade route. Just say, hey, what would bring you peace? It'd be really interesting to see how people would respond, wouldn't it? You know, some people might say something like, can't we just all get along? And I would say as the interviewer, no, we can't. Or if my spouse or my children would just do it my way. You know, see, the reality is if everybody would do everything my way, we'd have peace, right? See, it's about control. We think we can control others or circumstances. It doesn't work. You can't control much of anything. Meredith and I were waiting for our daughter to to deliver our first grandchild. 
due three days ago. Hasn't come yet. We can't control anything. So you learn to live with his peace. The peace that passes understanding. You know, another response might be, I could live with peace. It would be nothing that a million or two million dollars wouldn't, you know, deal with. I've heard that money doesn't buy happiness. I don't know that personally, but I've heard that. But I've watched the lives of some very wealthy people that have become incredibly bankrupt and don't have a whole lot of peace. See, because we don't manufacture peace by material means or make it happen because we have control. See, the peace that comes is the peace that passes understanding. It's beyond our capability. It's beyond our mental capacity and our physical capacity and our emotional capacity. It comes by the power of the Holy Spirit as we empty ourselves and fill ourselves by the power of the Holy Spirit with the Savior who saves us from our sin because we're broken. And that's why we lack peace. That's the reality. And that's why Jesus says it's not the peace that the world gives. Let me read to you a passage from the Old Testament. This is from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. And actually twice in Jeremiah, chapter 6 and chapter 8. He's talking about how people are going around saying, peace, peace, everything's okay. We just need to have peace. Everything's good. And these are false prophets that Jeremiah is confronting. Let me read to you what he says. They have treated the wound of my people carelessly, saying, peace, peace, where there is no peace. They acted shamefully. They committed abomination, yet they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. What a great line. They did not know how to blush because they were shameless. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time when I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. When I wanted to gather them, there are no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the tree, or even the leaves are withered, and what I gave them has passed away from them. Why do we sit still? Gather together, let us go into the fortified cities and perish there, for the Lord our God has doomed us to perish. He has given us poison water to drink because we have sinned against the Lord. We look for peace but find no good because the people were relying on fortified cities and false gods and their own means and holding out false hope of peace, worldly peace. That's why. And God has an answer for the stress and the pain and the conflict that we experience in this world And the answer is Jesus Christ, who comes to save us from our brokenness and sin. Who comes to bring us the Holy Spirit that gives us the fruit of love and joy and peace that passes understanding. The only peace 
that restores us. The peace that we will one day experience perfectly in heaven with Him. But we can have it now through Him. But we have to empty ourselves. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes Christians are looked upon as being Pollyannish. When we seek the Lord's peace and trust in Him. And yet we pray the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis, every Sunday, sometimes daily. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, where there is perfect peace. The peace that was costly by the death of Jesus. That brings us that forgiveness of sin that we desperately need to find that peace. But the assurance through the power of the resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit that we can have that peace that passes understanding. Lord God, for those here that have never known that gift, that grace... Lord, that they might come to know you as Savior and Lord. And for all of us, Lord, that we might empty more and more of ourselves and be filled more and more with your Spirit so that we might bear that fruit of peace from the Prince of Peace. By the power of your Holy Spirit, the peace that passes that understanding that settles our hearts and our minds and allows us to rest in you no matter what the circumstances. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.